Dr. Wesley Pock experienced all the typical struggles of a military spouse. The difficulty getting a job, having a career, no friends, the isolation. Then he made a huge mental shift from an employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset. And Amazon was his vehicle to the fight. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. As a veteran entrepreneur, you need a domain name that is easy to remember and accurately reflects your brand or business. Let .us serve you and choose a .us domain to stand out and get the domain name you really want. Reserve your .us domain name and website builder today for just $1 at launchwith.us. Hey, today we're talking with military spouse, Dr. Wesley Pock. Wesley, you got a fascinating story before we get to talking about business and entrepreneurship. Take us back and tell us about your story. So I was born in uh, South Korea, and I came to U.S. when I was 14. And I've been um, living as a military family all my life. So my dad was in uh, Korea military, mm-hmm. and he served in Vietnam too. And, and the funny story is, even to this day, I wake up early, even on the weekend. <laughs> and the re- reason why that is happening is because when I was little, my dad would wake me up at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And she would say, let's go up the mountain. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, what's there on the mountain? But, so he would just wake me up early in the morning and uh, he tried to discipline me, right? Yeah. But stuck with me even at this age, right? And awesome. I moved to the U.S. when I was 14. Um, and obviously, it was a culture shock for me. Especially, I came on a Halloween day. And in Korea, we don't have Halloween. So it was really like surprising for me to see people dressed up. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. You know, what's interesting about Halloween is I've been to a lot of other countries in the world, especially uh-huh. over in Europe. A lot of European countries celebrate Halloween now, even though it was a U.S. thing to begin with. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're wondering what you got yourself into when you showed up on Halloween. Yeah, and especially at the airport. At the, this was before in the 9-11. So people were like all dressing up in the airport too. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what's going on? And uh, and I started from freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was culture shock for me because when I was in Korea, everyone was Korean. Mm-hmm. And here in US, I went to white school. So everyone is white. So <laughs> I was just, just very shocked. Um, and, um, and then went to college and I met my wife. So the way that I met my wife was um, she... Uh, major in music when she was in college. She went to UVA, University of Virginia. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she did uh, pre-med. And uh, one day, um, Sunday school pastor came to me at church and uh, said, you know, we're having this uh, children revival. Can you guys, you know, play together and lead the revival together, right? Yeah. And, and, and at that time, I was leading worship at church. So I play guitar and drum. So that's how I, how I met. Uh-huh. Um, and then we were dating about two, three years. And then at the time, she, I think, graduated from college. And then she was, um, um, she applied to Mexico. And one of the schools that she applied was called Ushuts. Ushuts is the only military medical school. Yeah. 
in the country, which is next to NIH, mm. and she got in. And um, and then all of a sudden, I became a military spouse. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, so, I mean, at the time, I didn't understand that there's a, a part where we have to move. Mm. I was just so happy that she got into medical school and that um, it's um, free tuition. And on top of that, she gets, she gets paid as an officer. Yeah. So I thought that that was pretty good. But then I'm starting to hear that I have to move to a different place, right? So I'm like, huh, that's that's interesting. But anyway, so we got married um, in year 2000. Um, and then she, it took her two more years or so to finish her med school um, from UCF and then did um, like residency in uh, Travis Air Force Base mm-hmm. in Fairfield, California. So we stay at the Travis Air Force Base for uh, three years while she was doing residency. And then after that, <clears throat> Air Force asked us, like, where do you want to go, <laughs> right? So they gave us uh, like a little um, form where you can put down like top 10 city that you can move to, yeah. right? Yeah. They were like, oh, we want to move to Hawaii or Korea, Japan, <laughs> and uh, DC and stuff like that. and. And you didn't get any of them. <laughs> no, they said oh, you're going to be moving to Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? So I'm like, where is New Mexico? Is, is that part of the country? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and the and the funny story is that it, it was actually one of the best things that happened to my life. Um, I lived in, I, we ended up living in New Mexico for about seven, eight years, mm-hmm. and during that time, I got my PhD and MBA. Um, and, uh, and, you know, had a great time getting to know people and whatnot. And after that, um, we had choice because the, the contract is if she goes through the UCS military medical school, uh, they were not, they will pay for medical school, but she has to stay with the L4 seven years after her residency. Mm-hmm. Right? So we stay in Albuquerque for seven years. So now she, uh, did that seven years. Um, and uh, she she had choice whether she wants to continue being Air Force or get out, right? Yeah. Um, so she was working as a pediatrician at the Kirkland Air Force Base um, in Albuquerque, and um, she actually loved her job. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not something that she didn't actually. She actually enjoyed working in the Air Force, but only part that we didn't like about it was the moving part. The fact that we have to move every three, four years, right. that's the part that we didn't like. So we're like, what should we do? But then uh, we found that that Indian Health Services, mm-hmm. uh, if, if, you get a, if you were to get a job there as a physician, you can actually continue with pension. So you can inter-transfer from Air Force to Indian Health Services and able to keep the rank and able to keep the pension. And the best part is that you don't have to move around. Interesting. Yeah. But it was really difficult to get into. I mean, you could get in, but normally what people do is that they would live in a small town for like three, four years first. And then they would hope that they can move to like big city, like Phoenix. Yeah. Right. But I don't know what happened, but she got a job right away uh, in Phoenix. So that's why we moved here about five years ago. Wow. So... (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the issues and how it affected you being a, being a, being a military spouse as far as uh, finding jobs and 
having ha- having a career and and dealing with uh, unexpected moves to unexpected cities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my um, personality is I'm not a like couch potato. I'm not one of those people that like to like hang out, just watch TV, you know, <laughs> and waste my time all the time. I'm very like ambitious person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found was that when I first moved to Fairfield, California, uh, for her residency, I was a li- little bit depressed because I didn't have a family, <laughs> yeah. uh, no f- uh, friends. I didn't know anybody, in fact, right? And then we were living um, in Air Force Base, so. When I was looking for a job, I was thinking, you know, I shouldn't be putting like Travis Air Force Base as a city name. I should put it as a Fairfield because some people look at it and thinking that I'm going to be moving three years, right? So mm. they might not hire me. So I was afraid of that too. Um, so um, just, I think mentally I suffer a little bit too, thinking that, you know, when they find out that I'm military spouse, they're not going to hire me. Um, mm-hmm. which is not true, but at the time I was thinking that way somehow. Well, sometimes that is true. And I, I think some employers, unfortunately, um, they think that's a bad thing that anybody they hire, any military spouse they hire is probably going to leave in two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. But really you know, a lot of, a lot of companies have a lot of turnover anyways. And who, however, however many military spouses leave, there's going to be just as many military spouses coming in. Um, so a lot of companies these days have figured out that most military spouses have certain skill sets that a lot of the civilian population does not have, and a lot of them are very well educated. And um, you can actually get uh, phenomenal employees out of military spouses. So, but but it is still an issue. You know, it's it's there. Um, it's it's an uncomfortable thing, whether it's self induced or not. So. Yeah. But at the time, mentally, it just bothered me. I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. God, what if they find out, you know, all right. those things. Um, so that's what happened. And um, and the interesting thing was, this was back in 2003 um, when we moved to Fairfield, California. And um, I was, um, um, I actually, instead of looking for a job, I actually started a business. <laughs> so I started wireless um, ISP company. Mm-hmm. Um, because after we live on the base a little bit, we moved to Vallejo, California, which is about uh, 20, 25 minutes away from Fairfield. Um, I um, was trying to get a high-speed internet connection, yeah, and no one had it. So I'm like, oh my God, back in 2003, we're like next to San Francisco, but no one had a high-speed internet connection. Really? Only dialed up, right? Yeah. So, this is really odd. So what I was thinking was that maybe I can set up a wireless um, access point around the city and provide internet service to residential and, and businesses. Uh-huh. And that's what I did for three years. Huh. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. And so as you guys uh, were in New Mexico at, at Kirkland and your wife decided to transition out of the Air Force, you guys moved, moved to Arizona. Um at some point in there, even though you had started a business once before, you still kind of had that em- employee type mentality. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, I mean, the way that um, I was thinking was that the way the uh, school system is structured, 
you know, we go through that K through 12, and then college, and some people go through, you know, graduate school and whatnot. And when you stay in school for a while, it, it, it's almost like a brainwashing. <laughs> it is a brainwashing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and the, I feel like the whole purpose of schooling is, cre- you know, generate factory workers. Mm-hmm. And, and that we grow up um, to comply with the regulation and policy. And if you don't, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, you get bad grade or you wouldn't get fired. That's basically how it works. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me a while to get out of the mindset and, you know, thinking like an entrepreneur. And, you know, I, I think the way, the best way to sort of get out of that um, uh, employee mindset is to spend a lot of time reading books. Um, so I still, even nowadays, I go to the library and spend three hours just reading uh, business books. That's yeah. me quite a bit. Um, but I think that um, the the significant benefit of being an entrepreneur is having a freedom and, and and the fact that you don't have to work with jerks. So that's one of the policies that <laughs> I, I created that, um, you know, when I was employee, you know, you have no choice but to comply, but work and also use your, um, you know, social skill yeah. uh, to, you know, work with any personality, any people, right? Um, but, you know, now that I have a control over my company and my business, and I get to choose which person that I want to work with. And so the policy that I created, not only for me, but also for my employee, is that we don't hire a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey, uh, hey, Wes, that's a great, uh, great midpoint. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. My goal is to connect veteran entrepreneurs like you with the programs and resources you need to find success. And whether your passion project is a business, a blog, a podcast, Finding the right domain name is crucial. In addition to SEO value, it's important that your domain name is easy to remember and reflects you. But it's hard to find one that's the right fit and still available. That's why you need to choose a .us domain. With .us, you can connect the dream you're building with the country you've served. .us domains are short, simple, and memorable. This can help with brand recall and increase traffic. Plus, .us offers an online business toolkit. The toolkit provides a simple three-step process to help you build the perfect site, as well as good practices and tips for managing traffic and branding, all while helping you stand out in a crowded digital landscape. Join the list of companies who already register on .us, like zoom.us and mastercard.us. Sign up for your .us domain today to reserve the name you want. I've arranged a special offer to help you get started. Register your .us domain name for just $1 for a full year. Plus, you'll get three months of Weebly website builder for free. Let .us help you build your dream. For my special offer, go to launchwith.us and register with Pork Button. That's launchwith.us. All right, back talking with Wesley Pock, uh, military spouse, former military spouse. And uh, Wesley, before the break, we were talking, you, you, were, you were starting to make that mental shift from employee mindset to entrepreneur mindset. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think even... Being a business owner, a lot of people act like an employee, 
<laughs> and and the reason is that they try to do everything on their own. Um, I think in order to be able to scale up your business and able to grow as a person, um, you know, you need to be not only um, create a system, but also able to delegate and able to create great team. Yeah. Right. So. Um, that's basically one of the um, obstacles for a lot of businesses not able to grow. Um, when someone is trying to do everything on their own, whether they're working as an employee or working as a business owner, mm -hmm. it really creates a barrier uh, uh, for themselves. Um, so that's one of the things that needs to be changed in order to be um, scale up the business and able to grow. Yeah, so true. I mean, I've experienced that myself too. And it's it, it, at first, you feel like you need to become an expert on everything mm -hmm. because you don't have much money. You're starting up, and that, but you're really just setting yourself up for failure because you have no capacity to. You're building capacity when you set up systems and automation and bring in people to do those things and allow you to stay free. Yeah, and I, I think that when we were at school. Um, I think one of the things that were brainwashed was that there's a we think that there is a relationship between time and money, right? Mm -hmm. To make money, you have to spend time working and you have to work hard. You have to have a good work ethic in order to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But that's not how society works, right? So when you look at like a waiter, construction worker, teachers even they work very hard, but they don't get paid a lot, right? They have a good work ethic. They work hard. You know, they have to put up with so many different people, you know, different personality and whatnot. Yeah. But they don't make money, and the reason is society, uh, you know, operates through a different way. It's not based on how much um, hard work that you put in, but how much value that you create based on uh, economic system, right? So, um, like business owner, when they work. You know, when I'm working towards something that creates a value, uh -huh. it, there is no relationship, right? So, like for me, I have an online business, so I don't have to work eight hours to create that income. When I'm sleeping, I actually make money, right? <laughs> um, so when I wake up in the morning, every morning <laughs> these days, um, you know, I already made money, and I don't have to um, work during the day in order to make money. Um, so I think that's one of the important thing, uh, to be able to disconnect the relationship between time and money Yeah. that, um, you spend time creating value, you spend time creating that system, um, and, and create a team that you want so that you can actually scale up your business and able to generate income without spending money, uh, spending hours, uh, every single day. Yeah, so you, you made this mental shift. You really educated yourself in this whole mindset arena. And and at that point, all you really needed was a vehicle to the fight. And ultimately, Amazon became your, your vehicle. Can you talk about how you stumbled across Amazon and how you got started in, in as being an Amazon seller? Yes. Um, so for me, um, I think, in a way, I got lucky too, um, you know, I was working as um, director of research uh, and evaluation for county, 
um, for three years, and then um, I pretty much got fed up. <laughs> so, so, so um, I told my wife, I'm gonna quit my job and um, I'm gonna start something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came home. Um, so I, I, I said to myself, I'm gonna figure this out. <laughs> so I'm gonna figure out how to make money while I'm sleeping. That's basically what I want to do, right? And at this point, you you really had no idea what what the solution was going to be. No idea okay. at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So so the first thing that I did was um, I watched a bunch of YouTube. Just like you know, if you have a broken toilet, what do you what do you do? You watch YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you try to learn how to um, you know. Uh, fix the toilet, right? So YouTube University, yeah. Exactly. So I tell people that I have a PhD from YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> but uh, um, so um, I spend hours on watching YouTube, and obviously there are a lot of people who are scamming, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to listen to them. Um, and then I found one of the YouTube YouTuber that talked about um, selling products on Amazon, right? So at the time, I had no idea. I had no idea about how Amazon works, how Amazon FBA works, and all those things. Um, so I didn't really believe him. <laughs> so I, I'm like, okay, forget it. And then other guy was talking about maybe writing an ebook and publishing on Amazon, right? So I'm like, yeah, I can, I can write an ebook. You know, I, I know a lot about golf. Um, I don't actually play golf, but my son played golf. Uh-huh. Um, and I carry for him. So I, I actually study golf science for about five years. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I was like, maybe I should write a book about golf, <laughs> right? <laughs> but then um, I quickly realized that I just I cannot make a lot of money from ebooks. Some people can, but I was, you know, to myself, I, I don't think that was a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how can I do this? And then I, I started, I just continued to watch it. And then again and again, people are talking about Amazon. Right, so I'm like, huh, this actually might work, and and of course, I didn't know anybody at the time who actually was doing Amazon business. Um, I wish I had that person back in the day, but I didn't. So I want to test this theory. So I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend about ten thousand dollars, and and I'm going to buy first product and see what happens. It's basically putting $10,000 in the trash can and see what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I tried it. And then within a month or two, I sold out. So all my products. Nice. Right? I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And the beauty of doing Amazon business is that you don't have to pack boxes. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to do... Um, Shipping and all those things, um, Amazon does for you. Um, all you have to do is you have to find product that has high demand, has a margin, and of course it's not that easy. It, it, it takes a while to actually learn this whole process. Um, and I heard that there are about half a million Amazon sellers, mm-hmm. and really twenty thousand people make a million dollars in revenue annually or higher. So it's very small percentage of people who can actually make this happen. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of doing Amazon business is that it's basically a leverage. They have the most fantastic and largest distribution center, right? It's not, not only in US, but all over. Uh, so you can uh, take that as a leverage and able to scale up your business. Um, so that's what I did um, for about two years. 
and um, <laughs> yeah, wow. I've been pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think st- statistics on Amazon are amazing. Like at any at any given time, uh-huh. a f- like one fifth of the entire world's population is on the Amazon platform. Like 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 a billion people essentially. Yeah, and then they have some ungodly number of credit cards on file because everybody on Amazon is a buyer. Yeah. They're, they're there to buy most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, um, you know, I, te- I tell people that when people go to Facebook, they, they, people don't go to Facebook to buy. Right. They go there to read news. Mm-hmm. Like, they, people don't go to Google to buy. They, most, and some people do, but most people, they just go there to search, right? Yep. But whereas Amazon, people actually go there have, having an intention to buy and their um, way they set way they set up was is so easy. You don't have to retype your credit card information or your shipping address. You can do that simply with your phone, and it shows up uh, in front of your you know front door. So yeah. you, you feel like you are king, right? It's a seamless <laughs> transaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about the value, the potential value of being an Amazon to the military spouse, the military family, as they move around the country or get PCS stationed overseas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the one of the best benefit of uh, doing business through Amazon is the fact that you can move around and able to uh, operate your business, right? As long as you have a internet connection and a computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you can make it happen, yeah. right? So. Uh, not only you can sell your products in U.S., but also internationally. So I recently um, uh, started selling my products in European country. Mm-hmm. So I sell in U.K., Spain, um, France, Italy, and Germany, right? Um, so I'm basically tapping Amazon uh, Distribution Center uh, to be able to scale my business. Uh, so... It's pretty easy process, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, tell people that this is easy and that you can make a lot of money, which is not true. So, way I see it is, Amazon is a great vehicle in terms of um, operating your business, but you still have to know how to you, how to operate your business, right? Mm-hmm. And when you look at statistic, um, eight eight out of ten businesses within five years fail, right? Um, so. It's not going to be easy, but it can be done. Absolutely. Um, talk, can you talk a little bit about some of your revenue and profit goals, you know, what you've experienced in just a short couple of years on Amazon? Um, you've, you've got a couple of goals in mind for revenue and profit here in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2019, my revenue is about $1.6 million. Um, and my immediate goal is to uh, make $2,800 profit each day so that I can say I make a uh, seven-figure. <laughs> so you did $1.6 million in revenue, so that's, that's the gross sale, $1.6 in sales. Uh-huh. But you want to do, you want to get to $1 million in profit in a year. Exactly. And that, that equates to, so... Essentially, twenty eight hundred dollars times three hundred sixty five takes gets you to a million yes. in profit. Exactly. And how long do you think it's going to get get you to? How long do you think it'll take you? I think um, 
I can do it in about one to two years. That's my guess. Wow. Um, maybe three years. Uh-huh. It depends on my growth, but I think I can do it for two years in two years or so. That's man, that's awesome. I look forward to it. Hey, so what kind <laughs> of um, what kind of systems or automation or virtual assistants uh, have you? integrated into your business? Yes. I mean, if I were to talk about my whole system, it's going to take a while. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I think the important thing is, um, you know, as a business owner, your job is is not to do everything. That, that's not your job. Your job is it's actually not to be busy and able to spend time reading books and talking to people, gathering information and learn. Uh, and implement. That's your job. You shouldn't be doing some mundane task mm-hmm. uh, just to be busy, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to have a, either VA or employees working for you. I mean, of course, you have to have a revenue or money coming in in order to have those people. But once you hit a certain uh, number, you want to create a system, you want to create a team so that um, you can... Uh, have a foundation in, uh, to be able to grow and scale up your business. Um, so I have a operating manager, I have a, a accountant, I have a graphic designers, and I have other people who are working for me. Um, and their job is uh, working under the system to be able to scale up my business. Yeah. Do you have any people actually working inside your Amazon account, like creating listings or managing customer support, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. So I don't deal with those at all. <laughs> so they do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's, it's called monkey management, right? So um, have you read One Minute Manager, Mitch Monkey? No, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, yeah it's a really interesting book. It's, it's, it came out like 1990. I um, read it recently. And basically what that is, is that a lot of managers are busy. And the reason why they're busy is that you know, in the morning, you would meet employee, and employee has a problem. We, that problem, we call it monkey. Uh-huh. The monkey was in employee's bag, and the employee would come up to the manager and say, you know, I have this issue, what should I do? And the manager said, you know, let me think about it. The moment that manager says, let me think about it, that monkey goes from employee's bag to manager's bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So and now, now employee has to, yeah, employee is waiting, and manager is thinking about things. And the problem with the manager is that they don't just have one monkey. They have uh, many monkeys mm-hmm. in their bag. And that's why they're so busy, right? So the book talks about how to manage those monkeys. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so typically, um, I, I heard you talk previously uh, on a different podcast uh, with Andy Slammons, and you were talking about... Um, going over to China and meeting with some manufacturers. And mm-hmm. I think it was something about, Oh, well our, 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 our president of the company, he's very, very busy, very busy. He doesn't have time to meet with you. Yeah. And you're like, well, Hey, I'm president of my company. I'm not busy because I've set things up the right way, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Um, eventually you got those meetings that, that you needed. And, uh, how long did it take you to, to grasp that concept of not being busy? And matter of fact, the least busy you are, the better off your business is because you have time to think and maneuver mm-hmm. and plan. So um, I think um, 
maybe about a year or so. Um, so one of so so let me sort of tell you how this came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read interesting article about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is someone that I admire and follow, and and, oh, yeah. and I heard that he spends about five hours reading every day. He reads about five hundred pages per day, hmm. right? And he's been doing this ever since he was young. Yeah. And Bill Gates finished uh, one book per week, and you know, Facebook CEO would. Um, you know, take a vacation to read books and stuff like this. A day, take a book vacation. Yeah. So I was wondering, why do they do that? Like Warren Buffett, he has so many different companies, and he must be so busy uh, trying to manage all those. But if we, if you were to look at his calendar, and of course he has a paper calendar, he doesn't even have a, um, the software calendar. <laughs> when you look at his calendar, it's pretty empty. So how can that be? Yeah. Right. He he has eighty six billion dollars in assets. How come he's not busy? And and I was like, why did he do this? I, I started thinking about that. And I realized why the way that he uh, created his schedule is he wanted to do the most important task, which is learning. In fact, his uh, nickname is Learning Machine. Huh. Right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I want to follow that. So what I do is that every day I go to the library. <laughs> like yesterday I went to the library at 9 a.m. Yeah. And I underdress, you know, and I don't, <laughs> I just wear a t-shirt and stuff like that. So uh-huh. you can differentiate uh, between me and homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so, so, and I just sit down and read. And oftentimes I uh, listen to audiobooks too, right? So, and then, Basically, what I'm trying to do is that I'm trying to download the best mind and best brain um, um, focusing on business and how to manage businesses, right? So if you were to talk to me maybe about a month later, I'd be much smarter (laughs) because, you know, I read on a regular basis. Um, And what I realized is that, you know, if I want to increase productivity, right, so how do I increase productivity? It's not about just working every single day doing some stupid thing, right? But in order for me to increase increase productivity is creating a system, creating a leverage, building a great team so that I can scale a business. That's how I can increase productivity. It's not by me working like crazy and doing mundane work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. Hey, Wesley, uh, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of our time. I want to give you a chance, uh, give you the last word here. Um, if, you're, if you're talking to that, that military person or, or the military spouse and they're getting ready to get out of the military or maybe they're going through their transition or maybe they just got out and they don't really like where they landed, um, mm-hmm. it could be somebody overseas, whatever, what kind of advice would you have for them, whether it be Amazon or getting into entrepreneurship, you know, what are the first steps? How do they go about doing that? Yeah. Um, so it's almost like um, giving advice to my past self, right? Yeah. You know, I was afraid and there's a lot of uncertainty, not sure what's going to happen and whatnot, right? So the first thing that I want to say is do not underestimate yourself. <laughs> so that's the first thing that I want to say. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is spend time reading about money and businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way I describe money is money is basically air. 
Is money everything? No, it's not. Is area everything? It's not, but it is essential, right? If you have enough money, you can pretty much solve about 90, 95% of problems, yeah. <laughs> right? If you have enough money, you don't have to go to work right. <laughs> unless you want to, right? Um, so it's, it's highly um, uh, essential to spend time reading and educating yourself about money management um, and also businesses. So once you learn how to make a disconnection between time and money and able to make money while you're sleeping, then that's when you can um, have freedom. So it, this is not about money. Of course, money definitely uh, solves a lot of problems. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're not going after money. We're going after freedom. That's so true. It's like we spend our whole life working for that money to try to get to the freedom yeah. That doesn't come until you're 60 or 65 years old, and then yeah, exactly. and you can't really do anything with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So once you can um, create a system that generates money without you working physically, then you are free, and you can pretty much do whatever you want to do, right? Yeah. And then what the perk is you don't have to work with jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the time, I guess. I guess you can always get rid of him if you end up finding yourself around a jerk. <laughs> if you're the entrepreneur. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Wesley, that, that, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge, your wisdom. It's awesome to hear about. You know, I, I heard about you with uh, the interview with Andy Slammons. Um, I know Andy well. And it, it's great to hear your your phenomenal success that's just happened in, the, in, the, in a couple of years on the Amazon platform. And we look forward to your future success. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And hearing it. Okay. All right. Well, that's it, and we're out. Okay, great. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.